Chapter Thirteen, Part One of Cedric the Forester by Bernard Gay Marshall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynette Calkins, Monument, Colorado. Chapter Thirteen, On the Road to Runnymede, Part One. I was in Stamford in the year of the Great Charter of King John. Half the knights and barons of all England, with a goodly following of men-at-arms and yeomanry, had been assembled under the banner of our stout marshal, Fitzwalter, and had seized by force and arms full many royal castles. Now, at the end of a truce, which to no avail had been secured by the archbishop, we were ready to march towards London to bring to terms our most crafty and tyrannic lord and king. For years he had dealt in plots and scheming to overreach the great and strong among the baronry, and from the weaker seize their lands and goods at will, and oft threw their persons into durance to further his gross ends of gain or vengeance. Now some hundreds of the barons of the north, with a dozen or more of us from the west counties and the Welsh marches, and a sprinkling of churchmen, who no less than ourselves had suffered from the king's o'erreaching, were gathered in Bermondsey Hall to agree, if we might, upon a scroll of the grievances that the king must remedy when our further assaults should have forced him to sue for peace. Geoffrey, lord of Carlton and Terramore, leader of a hundred lances and half a thousand bowmen, rose from his seat amid a clamour of disputing voices, and saluted the marshal and the assembled company. "'I propose, my lords and gentlemen,' he said in that high, sweet voice of his, which yet is far heard and commanding. The name of Sir Cedric de la Roche, Knight of Grimsby, and bold defender of our western marches, for the fifth and final member of this group. He is a brave man and true, and hath, as we often say in the West, a head as well as an arm. He is both soldier and scholar, forsooth, and knoweth more of the Latin tongue than any layman among us. You have named Sir Richard of Mountjoy to serve you in this matter, because, three months agone, he took the castle of Ternoy, which the king's men were strongly holding with greater forces than his own, and from whence they might have sorely threatened us. But most of you know not that t'was Cedric de la Roche, who gained entrance to the castle in disguise, and full well deceived the garrison, then at midnight overpowered, gagged, and bound the sentinel at a little postern gate threw it open, and admitted the Mountjoys. Lacking him and his stratagem, we might still be hammering at the walls of Ternoy, and our whole campaign be sore delayed. "'For the Latin we have the abbot of Moberly,' said old Lord Esmond from his seat on one of the benches at the right. "'What need have we of another clerk?' "'The reverend abbot,' answered Carleton, "'will do the cause good service, I doubt not.' in making clear for our commissioners the substance of old scrolls and charters which they must study, and mayhap in indicting in fair Latin hand the articles which we present to the king. In his hands we may be sure the interests of his order, and particularly of the Abbey of Moberly, will not suffer. But I say tis well that we of the baronage have a representative of our own number, who can see that this scroll, for which we risk our lives and fortunes, truly and amply provides for remedy of the wrongs we suffer. "'And I say,' shouted Lord Esmond, springing to his feet the instant Carleton had finished, "'that if we are to have a representative of our order on the indicting of this scroll, as my Lord Carleton says, 
we should have a representative indeed. De La Roche is a true man and a capable soldier, as none will deny. But we have here many lords and gentlemen of longer service and of purest Norman blood. The Knight of Grimsby, as all may know, is yeoman and Saxon-born. Such a man, be he never so learned, must ever think as the folk from whom he sprung, and can never rightly guard our rights and privileges. For an hour we had debated of our wrongs and the measures that should put an end to them, each speaker being fiercely bent upon the thing that should lift the oppression that had borne most heavily upon him, and caring little for aught else. But finally twas seen that the whole assembly could accomplish naught but argument and loud bickering, and that the writing of the scroll must be done by a few chosen men, who should later bring their work before the whole body of leaders for their assent and undertaking. Two of the oldest of the northern leaders, the Baron de Longueville, and the lord of esmond had been first named then the learned and courtier-like abbot of moberly who was beneath the insurgent banner because of the king's high-handed procedure in the matter of moberly abbey where during the absence on pilgrimage of the rightful holder he had declared the abbacy vacant and conferred it with all its lands upon one of his shameless favorites from normandy a moment before, my own name had been added to the list in recognition of the services of the western lords that had well broken the power of the king in all their countryside. Following Lord Esmond's bitter speech came shouts of approval from some of the other northerners, and it seemed like my old friend and comrade would be deprived of the honor which Geoffrey of Carleton had sought to have conferred upon him. But the venerable de Lacy, long the Lord High Constable of England, and still a power in the land, though bent and snowy-haired with age, rose slowly to his feet and addressed the marshal and the company. My lords, tis well for those to talk who know whereof they speak. Years agone I knighted Cedric de la Roche for knightliest service at the Battle of the Pass, where verily he changed defeat to victory. Since that time he hath many a time, and oft, served under me and others, always to the welfare of the kingdom and the enhancement of his name lord esmond says that cedric de la roche comes not of noble family i ask of you my lords who made our families noble but some hard smiting ancestors we had that served not better i warrant you than this man of whom we speak and i have seen his lands of grimsby and the stout and loyal men who do willingly follow him and know full well he can think and plan as well as strike finally my lords tis not the tale of his father's or his grandfather's deeds but of his very own that should guide the choosing of a man for a time of need at this still louder shouts burst forth especially from the younger men and some did loudly call sir cedric's name insisting that he serve when partial silence came once more the marshal brought all question to an end by announcing all the names of the group and ending with that of cedric de la roche then it being near the supper hour the company broke up amid cheering and noisy overthrow of benches and the clamor of many voices in eager talk of the day's events the meeting next day of the group that should do the writing of the scroll was scarcely better than that of the whole assembly Esmond and de Longueville disputed long and loud over exemption from the tax levied for the French war, and some suggestions that we others made for the kingdom's better ordering 
went all unheeded in the din the abbot smiling and crafty as always patiently awaited the time so sure to come when noise and clamour should exhaust itself and his own smooth-spoken counsel should prevail he had with him a copy of the old charter of the first henry and cedric a draft of some of the laws of edward the confessor which he believed should be included at last when twas seen that we made no headway my own voice was for a moment listened to and twas agreed that our two scholars the abbot and cedric de la roche should work together making from the ancient laws and grants with such additions as were found needful the articles we should put before the king with all my comradely thought for cedric i could but smile as i thought of the task that now confronted him i knew well that he had certain cherished plans with regard to these articles whereby he hoped to gain for the commons some of the privileges and immunities which he regarded as the natural rights of free-born men often and often he had declaimed to me of these things and with such eloquence and conviction as well nigh made me a convert to his party if that could be called a party which had no leaders and no programme and scarce a voice save his own the commons knew no other way of protest against the wrongs they suffered than such violent and fruitless revolts as that of the churls of delancey manor with mayhap the killing of a tyrannous noble and the later hunting down and hanging of the leaders of the mob cedric had for years maintained that their natural rights should be assured to them by charter and not left to the caprice of some careless or greedy overlord but the abbot of moberly was allied by blood and by early training to powerful norman families and twas likely that he had but little sympathy with any such ideas handsome learned and eloquent he was accustomed to win his way among rough and heavy-handed lords and barons and the little better schooled officials of the royal courts by the skill and grace of his address and yet more if all rumours were true by a readiness to shift his allegiance to any cause in accordance with circumstance and his own prevailing interest in truth he had been bred for the law as much as for the church and his great services to his order which had been amply rewarded with power and place were those performed in court or council rather than in church or monastery at this very time lord geoffrey of carleton cedric and i had reason to suspect the abbot of secret communications with the archbishop who was still nominally of the king's party and who would perhaps have much to do with the final shaping of our articles if ever we should force the king to consent to their sealing twas evident that the rights of churchmen would not be overlooked in the final treaty and although this too had our approval we were the more determined that those of other estates should also be well guarded on the morrow nevertheless it seemed certain that this co-working of two such diverse men would be effective and that we would soon be prepared to take before the assemblage of leaders the completed scroll the abbot and cedric de la roche came late to our meeting and still debating hotly on the way but they brought a list of articles they had most cunningly devised for the remedy of the ills of which we most loudly complained the abbot read them to us clearly and with most just accent like the learned speaker that he is and i think the two old northern lords were mightily impressed with the power and worth of words so skilfully marshalled when he had finished we might have then and there adopted the articles and ended our labours 
but at the end of his reading the abbot said my lords i wish to testify that from sir cedric de la roche i have received most welcome assistance in the drawing of this scroll both in the reading of the ancient laws and charters and in the devising of new provisions toward the wise and just ordering of the kingdom nevertheless upon some minor points we have not yet agreed and upon these he wishes to address you sir cedric rose to his feet and for a moment looked from one to the other of our company his fine and open countenance and clear blue eyes and the martial squareness of his broad shoulders would have won him high regard in any great assembly it seemed to me at that moment that the youth whom i had first known as a forester of pelham and whom i had seen rise to knightly dignities well deserved was at the summit of his career when those whose decisions were weighty in the affairs of our time awaited his words on a matter of such moment baron de longueville was looking at cedric with no unfriendly eye but the lord of esmond who had wished to adopt the articles at once frowned with impatience at the end of the abbot's speech and now gazed moodily at the floor my lords began cedric clearly we have as the twentieth of these articles let no sheriff or bailiff of the king take horses or carts of any free man for doing carriage except with his own consent upon the next page we have the provision let not the body of a baron knight or other noble person be taken or imprisoned or deceased or outlawed or banished or in any way destroyed nor let the king go or send upon him by force except by the judgment of his peers or by the law of the land these things are just and right but to my thinking they go not far enough why should we not deserve the good wishes for the triumph of our cause and the strong right arms not only of the baronage but of all the freemen of england why should not these provisions be altered to guard their rights also lord esmond raised his head and gazed sharply at cedric's face and how wouldst thou amend them he growled i would say in the first instance let no sheriff or bailiff of the king nor any other person take horses or carts of any free man for doing carriage except with his own consent and in the second would have the words a free man in place of baron knight or other noble person so that it would read let not the body of a free man be taken or imprisoned or deceased or outlawed and the rest mayhap these churls have made thee their spokesman sneered esmond nay replied cedric i speak for no party whether high or low but for the common good of england lord esmond turned with sour and vinegary look first to de longueville then to the abbot what did i say in the assembly this man hath no conception of the rights of our order all his concern is for churls and clowns cedric grew very red and his hand went to his sword-hilt i sprang up to address our chief de longueville and placed myself between the knight of grimsby and the fiery old lord from the north my lords i cried we gain nothing by arguments that speedily pass into brawls come let us vote upon these provisions tis the rightful way to-morrow or the next day at the furthest we must take our report to the assembly and we should come to agreement tis so replied de longueville we waste our time in bickering come esmond 
what say thou as to these amendments i say nay shouted esmond let the articles even stand as they were and thou most reverend abbot i say nay replied the churchman quietly and thou mountjoy ay i answered loudly these changes seem to me to take naught from us and to be well conceived to gain us many friends de la roche ay de longueville gazed first at the floor beneath his feet then at the ceiling overhead and bent his brows in a painful frown at length he said it seems i have the casting vote i see little use in these changes save to pamper churls and thralls that too often already raise their heads with complaints and demands some of them verily believe they might govern the land as well as their betters tis a dangerous tendency that must be checked i say nay also lord esmond turned toward cedric with a smile of triumph and my heart became as lead to think of his defeat but the knight of grimsby was instantly on his feet again with a new proposal which to my amaze he uttered with a broad and pleasant smile on his face such as he might have worn had his amendings been received with utmost acclaim has the thought come to you my lords that in this scroll thus far we have made no provision for the enforcement of our demands we deal with a strong and crafty monarch even if he place his seal upon our demands what surety have we that he will adhere to them after our levies have been dispersed he will then be stronger than any one or two or three of us how shall we ensure his adherence to the treaty the rest of us gazed at one another in silence this was a new thought it seemed to our whole assembly and none could deny the seriousness of the question at last de longueville spoke again and hast thou grimsby given thought to this so that thou canst now produce a remedy not on the instant my lord but in the main my thought is this in this instrument itself must be provision for its enforcement the king must agree that a body of ten or a score or more of us shall be named by ourselves and that these shall be responsible to see that the charter be not impaired or overridden in another night i can form the language to carry this provision into our articles then the abbot spoke suggesting that sir cedric be instructed to do this and finally on motion of mine the articles were back referred to cedric and the abbot with instruction to bring to our meeting at two of the clock on the following day a fair and perfect copy that we might adopt and place before the assembled leaders End of chapter 13, part 1